This episode of the DLU podcast is brought to you by Goalie Nutrition. As someone who's used Goalie for quite some time, I can tell you that they're not only very good, but they're very beneficial. My favorite are the Super Green Gummies. The Super Green Gummies are uniquely crafted with a spectrum of essential nutrients such as vitamins A, B12, folic acid, and theamine. It supports a healthy liver function, healthy nervous and immune system, digestive health, a boost to your metabolism, and overall health and well-being. There are no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors from artificial sources. They're vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and gelatin-free. All loyal listeners of the DLU podcast get a special 10% discount at checkout. Go to Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. That's Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. This podcast is a Believe Network and Luciete production. Welcome to another edition of the DLU Podcast, brought to you by Believe Network. I'm your host, Derek T. Lewis, and we have a fun and exciting show for you this week. But last weekend um, didn't end so well for me on the basketball end of things. My Chicago Bulls did not win the second play-in game, thus they got sent home by the Miami Heat. So it's, I guess, see what happens next year, and I'm hopeful that Lonzo Ball can... um, come back from whatever this injury is because I mean it is a shame that he's missed so much basketball due to the 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 nature of this injury I've never seen anything like it so and I don't wish no type of ill will towards any athlete I don't care what team they play for if it's my favorite team or another team that I don't cheer for again I never wish any type of injury on any athlete and I'm pulling for him to um to be his best self, the best version of himself. Hopefully, we can get him back next year. So, because I know it's 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 terrible. But uh, hockey wise, um, New Jersey Devils are in the playoffs. However, um, game one did not go so well. The Devils got completely uh, obliterated by those guys from the other side of the Hudson River, uh, five to one. But I'm hopeful that um, Thursday night. Um, when you all actually the day you're getting this podcast, hopeful that the Devils can turn it around and make it happen. We could tie this series up because um, it's been this year will be 20 years since the Devils won their last Stanley Cup. And it's been 10 years since we last went to the finals. Actually, actually, I'm sorry, 11 years since we last went to the finals when we lost to the L.A. Kings. So I'm hopeful for a turnaround, you know, in game number two. But this week, I have recording artist Canon, and we talk about a lot of things in regarding, you know, the music industry as a whole, his come up, you know, everything going on in his career, you know, the people he's around, the people that he's worked with, and it was a very insightful interview. I really, really enjoyed taking the time to really get to know him. Obviously, I met him through the crew over at Radio Pushers. Once again, shout out to the team over at Radio Pushers and um, the partnership that I have with them and um, bringing some of the artists on to tell their stories, you know, life, music, and all aspects of uh, what they're doing. So let's not wait any longer. 
my interview with Cannon starts right now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, on the DLU podcast this week, I have hip hop recording artist Cannon on the show. Thank you for coming out, man. How you been? I've been great. How you doing? I'm good, man. Can't complain a bit. Um, me and Cannon uh, met through um, Radio Pushers. So shout out to the team over at Radio Pushers, Jonathan P. Wright and Patience J. Um, a true outlet for a lot of independent artists like me and Cannon. So he agreed to come on to the DLU podcast. And I'm, I'm a really, really appreciative that he took the time out of his busy schedule to, uh, to come talk to us. So let's talk about life growing up in Detroit, you know, as young Cannon. Now, tell us a little bit about that coming up in Detroit. <laughs> that is so ironic. So before I was Cannon, that is literally my name. It was Young Cannon. And it was... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I literally, and you know what's crazy? I didn't even know that until right now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, growing up in the D was wild. Um, there's a lot of pitfalls here uh, as far as gangs, um, drug trade and things of that nature, even down to the females. It's, it's really a whole lot of pitfalls here and things you could fall into. And um, pretty much everybody from Detroit falls into one of these pitfalls at some point in their life, and they probably get out, probably not, probably get deeper. But um, for me, personally, it was the streets. I love the streets at a young age. I love being outside and into the the nonsense the crazy stuff that was going on in the city um but life here it'll it'll make you move different make you think different like i have a um you know most people in hip-hop gain the 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 thug life i hate police because of either something that they've been through in life directly with the police like me or just off hip hop and the way they're taught. But here in Detroit, my first time um, being jumped um, by a, a, a group of people was by a group of um, grown men in badges while I was in high school. So it just, you know, that has shaped your mind a certain way. <laughs> right, man. But, um, yeah, D, the D is hard. You, If you're not tough, you don't have tough skin, it, it, we'll probably eat you up. I'm <laughs> not going to hold you. All right. So let's talk about how the how let's transition to how music came into your life. So when was it that you discovered, you know, as a you know, as a youngster, you know, how you know, as far as the music, who were you listening to? Who were your biggest inspirations back then? Who who was some of your favorite artists you listened to? Believe it or not, my favorite artist then and probably still to this day would probably be Prince. That's probably one of my favorite artists. Oh wow. Um, yeah. Uh, I listen to a lot of techno and house music coming up. Uh, my family is real heavily intertwined in the music business inside Detroit, I should say. Okay. Um, I have family that are uh, radio disc jockeys, hold uh, techno festivals, things like that. So I listen to all types of music growing up. I used to listen to NSYNC, Backstreet Boys. The first hip-hop artist that I uh, caught on to Outside of Big Daddy Kane, would probably be. Oh no, I gotta go back. So I, I wanted to say Trick Daddy, but 
like actively listen to, I was a big Ludacris fan. Okay. I was a real big Ludacris fan back in the day. Um, just the wordplay and how he delivered his music. He, he was like probably one of the goats of his time. Absolutely. And I think I still think he doesn't get the the, 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 the recognition, recognition that he deserves because I mean Luda to me, like when I first heard Little Chris, I didn't even know he was from Atlanta because he didn't it, it didn't sound like and this is no shade on Southern hip hop, but mm-hmm. he didn't sound like a Southern rapper. You know what I mean? No, he didn't. And that's what gravitated me towards, you know, towards him when you know your fantasy came out and was a 2000 and yeah. I was I was like, oh, this this guy could really, really go. And I was yeah, really, yeah. really oh. impressed. Yeah, he did. I mean, his wing, you and you're correct about as far as his wordplay is concerned. Like he really has you thinking and some clever stuff that's in there too. So, but getting back to Prince, now what was the record that really made you like what made you appreciate Prince when you first heard him the first time? It would have to be I would die for you. Mm. Yeah, I like I like that record. As a matter of fact, that was the that was the record on the outro going out of Purple Rain. Actually, when he performed that live, when he performed that in the movie, mm-hmm. and I re- I remember when Purple Rain came out. And let me tell you, man, being around we still got a copy where I'm at downstairs right now. Really? <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you, like at that time, in you know, in the mid in the early to mid '80s, like that movie changed everything because he literally made the movie to promote the record. Mm-hmm. Like that that was again it was way before when, when when like the michael jacksons and the princes of the world were doing some revolutionary things at that time it was unheard of to mm-hmm. do but they were the ones that were they, they shattered the mold in that regard so i really appreciate their contributions to music and like Definitely. i said for like for someone like you you know to when you Brent, you were around you know you're around hip-hop and everything else but you were able to appreciate the really the musicianship you know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's, and that's, I, I love hearing that. I love hearing it because that's what it's truly all about. You know what I mean? Because if you listen to early hip hop, it was, a, it was before it was the sampling. And of course, they'll sample some stuff, but it was a lot of instrument. It was a lot of instrumentation. Yeah, it in, was. In there. I mean, if you listen to now, like everything Eric, is sampling, and it's very rare that you catch people who play the live instruments. And I want to get back to that. I want somebody who can play the live instrument. Come sit in my session, rock out. <laughs> so when was it that? you had in your mind that you were going to be a recording artist. When was it that you said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do this. I was young. I I was like 12 years old Mm -hmm. and I was in the sixth grade. And what happened was it wasn't even my idea. It was like my group of friends, like my circle, we was just all sitting at the table in class, not paying attention. Like we should have been, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just like, yo, let's all just, Write a couple, uh, write a verse right quick. Right. No beat, nothing. We just all wrote a verse. And after we all wrapped our verses and after I wrapped mine, it was like, yo, that's crazy. That's... And I just kept up with it from there. And like around 13, 14, I uh, got my first little recording software from my own computer at home. Uh, I was using Sony Acid. Man, it was trash. But, you know, we made it do what it do. And here we are today. It just never stopped. Now, were you guys a group or was it just like you? it was just that one that that one instance where you guys just kind of just wrote lyrics together, wrote a verse and just, you know, kind of just vibe together? It was really just that one instance. And from there, um, I began linking with other people who were into music that I were actually friends with. But 
um, we had separated. One of my close friends who I did music with had moved out of state, mm-hmm. two different states. He went to Virginia, then North Carolina, and he came back. And we oh, wow. did like a whole mixtape together inside of two days. I'm talking about picking beats, writing the lyrics, recording it on the computer in, in the other room, like completely locked in. That was like maybe the most laser focused I have ever been on music. Like when it was fresh, it's like that was just the craziest time creatively for me. Wow. So what steps did you take to start? Let's say so you've rec- you recorded your mixtape and everything. How did you go about marketing your mixtape? And I would imagine this was before the sound clouds and things like that that were around. So how were you out there, you know, marketing your mixtape? Honestly, we didn't even think about marketing at the time. That wasn't a thought. We just really wanted to make something dope. That we that not only that we wanted to listen to, that we didn't think our other friends would want to listen to. And that's just how it went. So um, we come to today's age where we have all these new records because bro continue making music too. He's doing his mm-hmm. thing right now. Shout out my, my man's uh Dirty Moon. But um as much music as we put out today, the people who are still connected with us from back then still reference all of our old music. Like we'd just be chilling, smoking, relaxing, and they would like literally bring up old projects that we worked on when we were 12, 13, 14. And like some people still have some of those old tracks. And it, it amazes me that that they still have these tracks floating around. I don't even have my own old music floating around. I'm like, how you got it? <laughs> Right, right. But that just goes to show you, like, when people see you really going out there, you going, you swinging for the fence, sort of thing, and you're, you're, you're really, you're really passionate about what you do. People see that you, they may not be outwardly supporting you right away, but then when, when, when they look back and they say, you know, man, like, Cannon was really doing this thing, and they probably held on to that stuff. So I mean, so that's good that they were able to remember those times you you know when you were 12 13 years old and they had some of your first you know records that you had the opportunity to record in the studio that was incredible so when were you putting in motion in regards to really lining up the team to really put things together so, okay i'm going to start trying to make money from this you know what i mean because obviously we're in this business to make money of course we are but when was it that you were putting the pieces together as far as the producer, um, sound engineer, you know, and, and the, just the overall team for Canon to really get you to the next level? I'm not going to lie. It's been an ongoing process. Um, sometimes team members don't fit. Some people are, are only good for a season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's really been ongoing since maybe 2014 i would say okay when i've been constantly um dealing with having to not i don't want to say replace people because you can't really just replace people but sometimes people just don't fit the the mission anymore they have their own goals and and aspirations in life and sometimes you know just don't align with what the overall goal is anymore it's Sometimes right. it's so hard to get people to see the 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 big picture, the big picture, right? Mm-hmm. And all go for it. And I had to stop worrying about that at some point, and really just focus on the bigger picture myself. And those who have the same vision in mind, 
they're going to align with me. And that's what's really been happening for these past couple of years. And not all relationships have to end bad, right? Like it's no, just because it may not fit doesn't mean that, you know, all, uh, you know, bump this person or bump that person. No, if it just doesn't, if it's not a, like to your point, if it's not a, if the stars aren't aligning for that relationship professionally, it, it shouldn't affect if you see somebody two or three years down the line, you can speak to them. Hey, how's everything going? Yeah. You know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think people really need to get out of the mindset of every relationship has to end sour because truthfully it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't. doesn't have to be that way, you know? And I just think that respect each other's craft, respect, you know, what they've done, you know, is what they've done in the past, but truthfully mm-hmm. it shouldn't end sour. It shouldn't end that way. No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't have to. Right. Now, What's the best advice that a mentor has given you about the industry? Keep your head down, stay focused. Don't don't worry about the 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 fake beef that might start the hmm. I'm trying to figure out the words to put it. Basically, stay in your lane. If I could sum it all up, stay in your lane. Don't worry about everything else going on, trying to be in the mix. It don't matter. Keep your head down, stay in your bag, stay working. Now, what also what have you learned also by being by, by being a recording artist? What are some of the some of, what are some of the takeaways you've learned so far? And you can talk about the good, you could talk about some of the some of the bad, you could talk about whatever. So what are some of the things that you've that you've learned since you've been really in the game? Um, some of the things that I've learned is <laughs> that <laughs> this is a weird one, but it's always business, never personal, but sometimes business can be personal. Mm. Go on, go on that a little bit. Elaborate. Sometimes the things that we do in this music business is strictly business, but it can become personal when you have a personal relationship with um, certain people in the industry. Right. And right. I'm trying not to, I don't like to speak on um, certain things that, that could cause people to feel a certain type of way, but it's not even, um, that I don't want anybody to feel any type of way. Um, it's really, I just want people to understand. It's like, say a situation arises where perfect, we have artists who are beefing in the industry right now, mm-hmm. all the time. We have artists right. who are beefing in the industry, and it's causing a, a divide in the game to where. It's like certain people don't even want to do records with other people. Mm, I see what you mean now. I see what you mean. But there's artists like the baby who don't care who's into what. They like, look, I'm just doing handling my business. But you have other people who who is like, damn, we just did a song together. Now you messing with my ops. But they got to understand this is a business. And it's not really a personal thing. I can't. Personally, I didn't come to to make friends. If if I build a relationship and it's genuine, that's cool. But I didn't come here to make friends. I came here to handle my business. 
and to do so efficiently. And with that comes a whole lot of conflict. It comes a whole lot of responsibility. There comes, man, you have to be responsible for other people. People don't understand as an artist, you don't have to only keep in mind what you do and say as an artist on your music, on your interviews, but you also have to be responsible for the people on your team. People don't understand. Like, There's a full team behind every single artist that you listen to. There's a full functioning team. And that right. artist has to be responsible for everybody on their team. That's a good, this is a great way to put, to, to put it, but let's just take a, a, take a deep dive to the creative process for you. So you're, you're coming up with a, with a, with a, with a, an idea, you know what I mean? You're found, trying to lay the foundation for a record. If it, it, whatever the project could be, it could be an EP, it could be a full, a full flesh album or just a single Take me through Canon's writing process as far as how do you get everything together, whether whether it could be the lyrical content, you know, the actual track itself, you know, as far as the beats, you know, which producer you think is going to that's going to be that's going to fit the mold in regards to what you're trying to achieve. Take me through the whole process of that. Okay, so uh, as I mentioned before, uh, we have people on our team and one of the most important people to an artist is their producer. If they don't have a in-house producer or somebody, there should always be a producer around that they go to, like naturally. And my natural producer would be Slap Boy Franco Eight. We've done tons of music together. So what I would do is first, I don't have the 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 mindset of like, I want to make a song. That's just what I do. I create. If it right. comes to me, it comes to me. So I'm like, all right, Franco. Play some beats. That's what I call him, Franco. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll throw on some beats, get to going through the beats, and I'll just wait for a vibe to catch me. Something will pull me to a beat. When I hear it, it was like, okay, this is it. And once I start listening to the beat, I catch a vibe, and I will actually come up with my flow before my actual words. Like okay. I, I'll fill out the beat to see how I want to ride the beat, how I want to attack it, how I want to go about it. Once I have a vibe for it, I can pretty much come up with a subject matter. It's not really too much hard, too hard once you have the uh, the feel of the beat. Right. So from there, I just create the word, do, uh, put my cadences together or whatever, try to come with my bars. Um, and I can't say I always finish a song fast. There's been songs that I haven't even had the chance to write them down. Is like literally, I'm about to just go in the booth and just let it out because I had the whole song in my head. Then there's other times where I can create a song over the course of two, three weeks. Just I don't want to force anything, so I might pin a little bit, put it down, pick it back up when it hit me again. You know, so there's no really set process um, for my creation. It's really just however I'm feeling when I go in the beat. This episode of the Dilu Podcast is brought to you by Goalie Nutrition. As someone who's used Goalie for quite some time, I can tell you that they're not only very good, but they're very beneficial. My favorite are the Super Green Gummies. The Super Green Gummies are uniquely crafted with a spectrum of essential nutrients such as vitamins A, B12, folic acid, and theamine. It supports a healthy liver function, healthy nervous and immune system, digestive health, a boost to your metabolism, and overall health and well-being. There are no artificial sweeteners, Flavors are colors from artificial sources. They're vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and gelatin-free. All loyal listeners of the d podcast get a special 10% discount at checkout. 
Go to Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. That's Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. Okay. Now, the first record that you actually put out, because I, of course, I have to do a little bit of research and everything, but it looks like, and tell you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I see you had a you had a record called Numb. Yep, I got a record called Numb. All right, so take me through that. So, how, what was that process as far as you know your first record? And you were like, you know, you really were. What was what was that as far as the, as far as deadlines, all these other things? You know, take me through that as far as preparing. Okay, I'm going to like I'm going to put this out for the world to hear. Take me through that. Um. Well, Numb wasn't actually my first record. Okay. I have music that I've pulled. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. So if you look at my catalog, you will see that my um, my mixtape started at number 2.5. And 2.5 is 2.5 because there was a one, uh, a number two. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called uh, Motivation or something. But I pulled it because of I felt like I had reached beyond a certain point of creativity where it was like, okay, I don't want nobody to hear none of this old me. I want them to hear what I'm doing, not only right now, but this is my style. This is where I'm planting myself at. Okay. Um, But we can go to Numb. Uh, With Numb, it was really like, I want people to feel me. I want you to feel where I'm coming from. I want you to to understand that I don't care. <laughs> right, was, right, right. It was a, a time where it was like I was numb. I really didn't have any feelings for anybody or anything because I had it was a um a moment where I had I had went through great loss. I lost somebody real real close to me and it was just like all right, I could go all out in the streets and go crazy and probably end up in jail again. And that wasn't what I wanted to do. So it was like, all right, let me lock myself in this booth because that that was one thing that me and the, the person I lost shared. Uh, we had that in common. We were real deep in the music. And that's when I'm like, all right, I'm about to put all this energy, all this negative energy, this, this feeling of emptiness, this wanting to hurt somebody, this... Just this anger and frustration, I'm putting it into my music. And that's what really fuels a lot of my 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 music. Just my any negative energy, I release it into music. Now, what has been the feedback from family and friends when they first when they heard those records for the very first time? Um all my friends. Well, I don't have many friends, so I'll say all my associates and people I've known, when they hear my music, they're either surprised or they like, like, yeah, it makes sense. But the what what makes me the most proud of my creations is that people who who I'm related to who don't like rap, I, I mean, at all, like you can't find a single rap song on their playlist. They like some of my music. They like how I control not only my narrative, but 
the way that I portray not myself, but the, my experiences and right. and how I come up with my my bars and and some of the things I might say. A lot of people might not say or might not even be able to come with. Like right. I've been, I've had numerous occasions where one of my closest relatives, who I also do music with, uh, on occasion, has doubled back after because I send them all my music. Like as soon as I get done recording, I'm like, bro, check this out, bro, check this out, bro, check this out. Mm-hmm. And they double back like two, three months later, like, yo, I just caught this bar. You said, like, yeah, bro, like, where you been at? <laughs> wow. <laughs> now on that note, though. How would you describe your style? What's Kenneth's style? You know what I mean? Because obviously, you know, you want to separate yourself, you know, from the pack. So what would you say that your your individual style is? Spontaneous. One thing I I, I appreciate about myself, because I'm not really a comedian, but I am hilarious if I do say so myself. I never know what's going to come out of my mouth until it comes out of my mouth. And I just be just as surprised as everybody else. Like, oh, my God, I just said that. Like, what well, we here. <laughs> Let's deal with it. <laughs> so I I definitely bring that into my music. And I'll say something just not too far out there, but something that is like, dang, that's crazy. So that's that's definitely um, my style of music, spontaneous. I, I, that's a good that's a good way Highly to explain energetic. it. <laughs> Highly okay. Oh, well, energetic's a good thing. Now, the second part to that question is where does your music fit into the realm of today's hip hop? You know what? That's a question I've been asking myself honestly for a while now. Um because I feel like I speak for a group of people that have been overlooked for so long. Um, just off the simple fact that because I'm genuinely me and I I am as my music is and I know I get overlooked. But as soon as, like we was just out in Miami, anytime I play my music in other places all around the globe, because I travel, I go, I've been to Vegas, Cali, uh, Tennessee, uh, just name it. I, I'm I'm almost about twenty states into the, to the fifty, but it's like everywhere I go and I play my music for the random crowds. It's like, oh, they, this is crazy. This isn't on the radio. Where can I find this? But it's like at home in the D. It's like I don't come with the the. What you if you were from the city, I wouldn't be presenting you with a sound that you expect to hear from the city. And when you don't sound like Detroit and you come from Detroit, Detroit ain't so quick to catch on. Like as so you see, it's a gradual. Is it more of as a gradual thing as they would gravitate if you're not if it, if if it, if you don't fit that sound? Yeah, like um, our biggest artist, Detroit. Uh, we'll go Big Sean. Right. Honestly, I'm from Detroit. And until Big Sean came, like, good music, I didn't know who Big Sean was. There's a few people who knew of Big Sean, but he wasn't one of the main people in Detroit that Detroiters listened to at the time. 
Oh, I it see. took for Big Sean to go good music, drop video in Cali, come back to the D for Detroit to rock. It wasn't it wasn't like that for Sean at first. Now did now did you feel that he was the one that opened the door for Detroit rappers? I mean, obviously you had Eminem and things like that, you know, from Detroit. You had D12 and those guys, but do you feel for some of the, I guess, on the independent level, did you feel that Big Sean was the one that kind of opened the door in that regard? Um, I don't want to say open the door. I want to say opened it wider. Gotcha. We always have had people who tested the limits inside the city. Big shout out and RIP to Jay Diller. We have legends from the city that have might not reach their prime because of death or whatever else happened in the city. Right. But yes, definitely Big Sean was uh one of the people to open the door wider to where more styles are accepted now in the city. It's not just <laughs> the majority of what you hear from Detroit. Which is not bad. I'm not saying it, you know, it's bad at all or anything. It's just, you know, there's not a lot of people dare to be different today. And that's right. that's what that's what I do. Now you mentioned that you have you've been to about 20 towns. Now, how have those towns I know you had made, mentioned about some comments that were said in regards to your music, but how 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 was the reception, you know, to Canon when you visit some of those cities when you were performing? So, all right, let me tell you about this one night I had in Vegas. I'm chilling on the strip. I have maybe like two or three of my relatives with me. We just out. And we're not on the main strip. We're on the uh the back strip. It's called Fremont. It's like no, yeah, the, Fre- uh, Fremont Street. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're on Fremont. And, you know, that's where they have all the street performers and everything like that. Right. So what happened was one of the people that was with me went over to the street performers and had them put my song on and had them dance. No one knew I was there. No one knew who I was. They just had the chance to listen to the song and show their natural reaction. And when I tell you they went crazy, bro, it made me feel like, okay, this is where I need to be. I don't even need to be at home. Why am I going back to the D? I need to be out here. It was, it was just like, I stayed, I did stay out there for like two months after that. I'm not gonna lie. It was just so much traction with the music when people were just genuinely rocking with the music. You understand? Vegas is like a melting pot. There's people from all over the world here. Yeah, everywhere. So it's like, damn, I I don't get this type of reception at home. Like I I get a crazy reception out here with it. Like people are asking me, am I famous? Like, where's my Lambo? <laughs> like, that's crazy. So it's just from that point, I knew it was like, all right, I need to move around. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Hence the Miami. Uh it's I just came back from Chicago not too long ago. I just rather move around the globe. And it's too much of it to see anyway. But I'd rather move around with my music. Right. That's the only way we, we make our movement and our and our brands global is by we you know have you know have music or whatever. We'll travel. That's and that's that's really important. 
Now, what has been some of the ups and downs you've experienced since you started your music career? The ups? Um, sense of freedom. Um, mentally and spiritually, I'm always in a mindset of... Not quite. If I'm not not peaceful, I I'm calm at least. <laughs> like it, it keeps right. me, you know, leveled out. Music definitely helps balance out my uh, yin and yang. The downs it gets hard financially, mentally, sometimes because you have to deal with things on your own. And there's it's really not a roadmap to this. Like you could listen to other people who've walked this walk and their experiences and try to learn what you can, but everybody's walk is different. And yes, indeed. You have to make your own steps in the sand. You're, you're, you're 100%, 100% on the money. And I tell a lot of people, you know, you can't compare your journey to somebody else's because all you're going to be is a carbon copy of somebody else. So you have to do what feels right to you, what feels right to your career and your and your trajectory of where you think you're going to be. And you follow exactly. that. You follow that roadmap. And again, this the entertainment industry does not come with a booklet or a handbook. It doesn't. It don't. You know what I mean? You just have to man. you just have to just surround yourself with positive, like minded people. And you mm-hmm. just have to just go your you have to just follow your own path and do it that way. That's important. Now, in what ways do you think that hip hop has evolved over the years? I mean, everything's evolving. Everything is constantly changing. It's the world we live in. Nothing stays the same. Even the people in it, no one stays the same because you should be constantly growing and changing. If you're not, then there's something wrong with you. But um, hip-hop has always been, and I'm going to stand on this. I don't care what nobody says. It has always been the reflection of what we go through, no matter how it's been marketed, no matter how it's been promoted to any other people or race. It has always been a reflection of what we are going through. So if you hear someone talking about whatever they're talking about, that is what they're going through in their own time, space, city, wherever. Even with people who have ghostwriters, mm-hmm. the writer is it's the writer's experience. So speaking, of, I was gonna, I was gonna, I'm glad you said that. What's your perception on a hip hop artist, whether they have a ghostwriter or not? Because I know this is the thing out there where uh, you know this person writes, or well, you're not, you know what I mean? Like I, I never understood it because I think at the end of the day, you have Beyonce has writers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Bieber has writers. So why can't a hip hop artist have writers? I, never, but I don't I've think never, that's fair. I don't think that's fair. Because Beyonce is an R&B artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Bieber is a pop artist. Not only is he a pop artist, he's also, I don't want to say a Canadian or because of his skin tone or anything, but there's certain experiences that they just didn't go through or certain things so you that think- they... So you think Have more or less hip hop, I guess hip hop is the origin of the street and yes. it has yes. to be, and of it has street, to be of the culture of storytelling right. that if you look back to a, a lot of old hip hop, it's majority storytelling. Right. Oh yeah. And I grew up in that era when you talk about, 
um, you know, the Big Daddy Canes and the, the yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? Like those guys. Slick Rick was the old. I was just listening to Slick, Slick Rick. Rick was the man. I was listening to Slick Rick yesterday and I was listening to Children's Story and I'm just like, this guy was a genius. Yeah. Because just the 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 art of storytelling and mm-hmm. he didn't use it. He barely didn't use any profanity, but it was just the way that he did it. And you had the British accent and all that. And I mean, he was just, he was just so good. And I enjoyed mm-hmm. him, you know, when I was growing up, Slick Rick was one of my favorites, but so you're saying that more or less hip hop is more, there's, I guess there's unwritten rules in a sense, whereas like, yeah, most hip hop artists are respected for the ones that actually write their own lyrics. Yeah. Like, um, Okay, like the top artist Drake, we yeah. all know he don't write all his own lyrics, and it's fine because Drake is Drake. You right. can't take anything from him. He has built what he's built. Yeah, success, super successful, right? For sure. But I also give way more credit to the the artist who who digs and writes their own lyrics, like who has to go inside themselves and dig that out and tell their own story. Mm-hmm. N- like, not just a, pop, a bunch of pop records or 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 slick sayings or anything like that, but shit that you have to, to go into yourself and pull out that you can't, you can't duplicate or replicate your real-life raw experience. Yeah, I guess almost like if someone's trying to live, I guess, live vicariously through you, but the truth is they actually can't. Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Now, if there was one thing you could change about the industry, what would it be? Uh, it would be the amount of scams. Because it's, it, it takes a lot to do what we do. It really does. And a lot of people are now finding out this can be a dangerous job. Not only as a dangerous job, it, it don't really pay you well in the beginning. You have to to do a whole lot to, to see a return. Like you're gonna spend a whole lot of pay trying to get a little bit back. And right. for for artists to have to go through so much, just trying to be successful, just trying to tell our story, trying to be heard. There are so many people in the industry who takes advantage of that for their own monetary gain. It's one example. Uh, promoters in the club. Drake. Prime example. They don't believe in it's not a talent thing anymore. It's not a it's not even just the Detroit. I believe this is in a few places. It's not a talent thing anymore. It's a popularity contest at this point. Yeah. Whoever is the most popular, that's who people are riding with. It don't matter about your skill level. It don't matter if, if you could put words together in, in this crazy form that it takes a genius level of brain power to do. No one cares about that. It's, are you trending? <laughs> yeah, you're you're one hundred percent on the money on that. I can't I can't argue that. Because if it was really about skill right now, it 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 would it would be different. Definitely, I want to talk about a project that came out on October the fourteenth. Hey, it's my birthday. 
At, well, happy belated birthday, first and foremost. And you, it's a 12-song album called Dark Cloud Paranoia. And one of the records that I heard was Shy town Bound. Talk about, let's talk about the whole entire album as a whole and also highlight Shy town Bound because I really dug the track. Let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Um, so I was fresh off of um, TFA which is the project before that. And TFA was, if you know me as an artist on a personal level, which I'm, I'm really trying to get back to, you know I have not one style, but many. I'm versatile. Like, what, what did Wayne say? What was his infamous quotes? I got so many styles that I am a group. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you quote so, Weezy, all right. <laughs> so it's like, I had to take something out of all these different styles and present something to the people. And I was basically, I basically put that last project out to see what people like. And they liked the song called Big Mood, which I re-rocked, did a video, and put on uh, Dark Cloud Paranoia right before Shy Time Bound. Right. And that was pretty much like, okay, me saying, I'm going to give y'all this. This, this is what you want. This is where my, my data shows that you listen to the most out of all everything I create. This is the style of music you want me to deliver to you. This is what the, my data is telling me. So I create this project. Um, believe it or not, I was one of those artists from Detroit that did not like the Detroit sound for a long time. And it wasn't the Detroit sound that I, I just decided I didn't like. I just I felt like Everybody had the same subject matter almost at a point in time mm. and it could blend together. And I didn't want to blend together with nobody else. I've always took pride in, in standing out. I've never wanted to be like nobody. I never wanted to be liked and accepted by a bunch of people. And like, no, I just do me. And that's enough for me. So um, when I created this project, it was like, OK, even though I'm going to give you what you asked before, which is this Detroit style which I really can't stand to do. Like, it was really me showing myself something at the same time. Like, I can really do anything if I don't want to. So I did the project, 12 tracks. They weren't all um, that sound. I had to splice in a few elements of sounds that I really felt like were more natural to me. And I feel like I put together a nice project. Um, with Shy town Bound, it was that track was really based off of <laughs> um trips to Chicago and a female that I was messing with at at the time. Right. Um Yeah, it was just like a real fun track to make that was really what it was about it like i wanted to put all of the energy that i was feeling from the music i was creating at the time the the trips and just everything just wanted to embody it into a song it was like i had a trip to chicago coming i was like come on let's take a trip right 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 got it got it got it and again when i when i had an opportunity to, like i said i was wanted to listen 
You know what I mean? I, I really, really dug the record. And it was just the whole vibe of the record that I really enjoyed. And that's why yeah. I, wanted, I definitely wanted to highlight that. So, again, congratulations on that release of the whole entire project. And I wish you nothing but nothing but success, you know, regarding that. And um, make sure that you get the album Dark Cloud Paranoia. And it's spelled D-A-R-K and Cloud K. L-O-U-D, Paranoia, Dark Cloud Paranoia by Canon. It's available on all platforms, Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, you name it. It's everywhere, so you can definitely uh, check it out. Um, before we get out of here, give out your social media, you know, on all platforms and make sure that the people are following you. My, uh, my social media handle on all platforms is at Canon Official, and I spell my name C-V-N-N-O-N. The, the A is upside down. It's flipped. It's a V. Um, so Canon Official on everything. You can find me on any streaming platform. Just Canon. C-V-N-N-O-N. Um, what I really want to tell y'all, go check out Alley Oop right now. We have visuals coming. A full rollout coming for you guys. Uh, nice uh, studio performance video coming soon. And also by RJ Lamont. Good energy, high energy, make you feel good. Make you want to do something crazy. Awesome, awesome. Well, Cannon, um, it's been an absolute honor and privilege for you to uh, come on to the D-Loop podcast and talk to us. And um, you're, you're now a friend of the show forever. So, again, in the future, we can definitely love to have you back on. And we can talk about some future projects from there, man. But thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. It was an honor to be here. Thank you. All right. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the D-Loop podcast. Again, I want to thank Cannon for coming on to the show to um, give us all insight of his music career and what where he's been, where he's at, and where he's going. And I wish him all of the best at what he continues to do. Now, as for me, you know, this weekend's going to be really, really busy. You know, Friday night, you know, tomorrow night is night one of SWF's Mega Slam. Okay, it's going to be at the Mecca in Richfield Park, New Jersey. Bell time is at 8 p.m. and you can see all of the stars of the SWF, including yours truly doing my ring announcer thing. You can also see pro wrestling legend, the one and only Savio Vega. All right, he's going to be in the house. Also, Saturday is going to be um, date night number two for Mega Slam for the SWF. It's going to be in Holmdale, New Jersey. Once again, you can get your tickets at SWFWrestling.com. Not only will Savio Vega be there, but the one and only Mr. Kennedy will also be there as well, in addition to all of the SWF superstars. So make sure you get your tickets at SWFWrestling.com. This Sunday at the world-famous Monster Factory, okay, there's going to be a free screening, a free screening of the Apple TV Plus hit, Monster Factory, in which I'm actually featured in. So you get to meet the cast of Monster Factory, including the owner and head coach of the world-famous Monster Factory, Danny Cage, as you get a bird's-eye view to what it's like to really be, you know, in the, in the walking in the shoes, so to speak, of a student at the Monster Factory, you know, you know, training for the next level in the world of professional wrestling. So again, it's going to be a free screening of the docuseries from noon until 3 p.m. You can go on to monsterfactory.org and you can you can uh, secure your spot, get your free ticket. Come on down. You can meet everybody and it's going to be a great, great time. Well, I'm going to get out of here. And as I always say, no matter what it is that you do in life, 
always remember to make it count. Take care, guys.